You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we have long hauler symptoms due to different reasons. Is this panic pandemic over yet? I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Uh, it's been a great week. Had some great stuff happen. I, I met Zuby on Tuesday night. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I think the best thing about Zuby is... You know, there are some people who you meet who are celebrities and you're like, yeah, of course that person's a celebrity. Like, it's just sort of, they're they're larger than life. But Zuby's just, he's just a normal guy. He was a normal guy. He was in the right place at the right time and ready to capitalize on the opportunity that present, that was presented to him. And he took advantage of that. So you meet him and he's just a, he's just a normal, cool guy. And I, I think he would fit in very well here in the midside. Uh, also, preseason football started this week. Got to see Mac Jones in his first action as a Patriot. Uh, not a lot to say yet because the league year is just starting. Although it is interesting that the NFL did highlights for all of the rookie quarterbacks taken in the first round, and it was all of the plays that they each of them ran and all their throws. So we sort of see the they're trying to build the next generation of quarterbacks. But I should give you all something to look forward to here in the midside where we will be bringing back the segment, Belichick Your Premises. So that started as a independent show, but as we've gone forward, it, it'll just become a segment in the show. So maybe these episodes will get a little bit longer. Uh, not going to do a lot of COVID talk today, as you saw from the clip at the beginning. The one thing that I wanted to mention about that is... There has been a female wrestler in AEW, All Elite Wrestling, the competitor to WWE, that has been missing for a few months now. And it recently broke that she got the COVID vaccine and has been having health issues since. And it's interesting to me that we don't report enough about that in this country. We don't report any of that, really. What are the side effects of the vaccine? Who are the people experiencing negative Side effects. And I mean, this is this is an athlete. She's in her early 20s and she's been out for months because of it. All right, let's head forward into this trip into the midside. Joining me from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, speaking of privilege, uh, it's kickball semifinals today. I'm very excited. Uh, if we win, we're done for the day. If we lose, we have the consolation game. So uh, hoping for a short day of kickball today. Uh, we trounced the team uh, we played last week. Uh, we had lost to them by one point earlier in the season. But in the playoffs, we just uh, it was just a, a decimation. Uh, we just... Uh, uh, really strategic kicking and taking advantage of every mistake they made. And it was, uh, it was great, man. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to an exciting day of kickball today. Um, this week has been absolutely awesome. Um, a lot of friends have been, uh, reaching out and hanging out with me, uh, going through some stuff. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, 
and my friend Alex is in town visiting, uh, listener, uh, Midsider Alex. Uh, so, uh, we're, uh, making sure that, uh, Remy gets, uh, adequate amount of exercise by making him do all sorts of, uh, beach trips and, uh, and various walks and things like that. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So in regards to the kickball, if you win the championships next Sunday, but if you lose the consolation is this Sunday. Yep. Why couldn't they have just done all four games today? Uh, not, there's only four fields and not enough time, I think. It's really what it comes. Oh, because there's like other yeah, there's other things, things like going. That. Yeah, other kickball games going on. Other like kids actually play other real sports on on these fields. Uh, you know, like softball and baseball and stuff. So we only get it. Only get the fields for a certain amount of time. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, because of kickball, we only have you for a certain amount of time. So let's get into talking about what's going on in the world before we send you off to win a championship today. Let's go to Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all contributions, be it as much as $1 million or as little as an affirmation. Again, that's themidside.com slash Patreon or themidside.com slash Locals. Uh, The first thing I wanted to talk to you about, William, was something that you shared. I don't remember if you shared it in the Discord, you shared it in our text thread, but it was just something that uh, I I found super ironic, (laughs) and maybe maybe it happened because of the news that broke last week. So I have to admit, I am a Paramount Plus subscriber now. I never in my life thought I would be subscribing to Paramount Plus. Oh, no. I'm religiously opposed due to Star Trek disgracery. I understand, but... I'm willing to give them $5 a month for all the money they gave to Trey Parker and Matt Stone to do more South Park and to do more movies. Okay. Like, to me, all right. like, the, the amount of good art that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have made makes it worth to reward them. It's like, I have Netflix for Zack Snyder. I have Paramount Plus for Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I wonder how many other people have these streaming platforms for different creators. I that, This seems like it could be a good thing going forward. But there's a double-edged sword to this as well. Everything becomes about attacking these people ideologically. And that's what you sent me. You sent me this article about uh, how the South Park game, uh, the idea of a new South Park game is already exhausting. And basically the, the point is their ideas in these, in these shows and these games are backwards. And as we know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are pretty libertarian. And I haven't gotten through the most recent game yet. But for me, William, as a non-gamer, when you look at the stick of truth... And the Fractured Butthole, those are the last two South Park games. Those are two of the best video games I've ever seen in my entire life. They're certainly really funny and really entertaining. I, I, I wouldn't put them in the category of best games, but they're that. But because of uh, how they're how entertaining they are and uh, how engaging they are, they're certainly up there as as some of the best. Uh, comedic games like think I, I put them in the same category as like you know the old school uh 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 what was it sierra games like um 
uh, Monkey Island and things like that. Like it's Leisure certainly up there in the pantheon. What? Yeah, yeah, Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry, those sort of games. Yeah, that's interesting. A comedic game. I don't know. I really like the. The, the gameplay of it. I like the style of it. I like that you get to go throughout the town of South Park and it has an overarching story, but it's also an A linear story. So you can do it in any order you want. And if you're a South Park fan, it's so immersive to me. Like, I think the only step above it could be, you know, VR. That's the only step immersion above it for these type of games. And, and part of why they're so good, William, is because Trey Parker and Matt Stone are so hands on with it. They bring that attention to detail and they bring that that instinct, that knowledge they have of what to do to make things entertaining for their fan base and what to do to make things high quality. And it really, to me, shows the the value of visionaries that what they were able to do with these games. Yeah, it, it's um <clears throat> You don't have to necessarily blaze new trails here, right? Uh, and as far as um, you know, technical gameplay, um, if you get the gameplay right, because the characters are so uh, um, well developed, and because the because they're one of the rare franchises that can do no wrong, um, or basically everything they do is wrong, so it's okay, uh, depending on your perspective. Um, they can just go places that other uh, other games can't do, right? They can they can make jokes other games can't make. They can have storylines and plots and plot devices that other games just can't do. So that's interesting. The idea that South Park is either never canceled, or, or we'll say it this way, they're either uncancelable or permanently canceled, makes it so any conversation about them is good. So when we see... Yeah. takes like this about South Park being backwards, that's actually a good thing because that means they're consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like, uh, you know, the line from the article, which I found hilarious, is, uh, is and this needs to be, <laughs> uh, it, it needs to be put in, uh, in, in, like, some sort of, like, stone tablet underneath, like, uh, underneath, uh, um, underneath the uh, Comedy Central's... Uh, uh, next to Comedy Central's uh, studios. In its purest fo- form, South Park is forgettable. <laughs> uh, While they're writing it. an article about it? Yeah, like the, I know. The most... it's, uh, uh, South Park, forgettable. That's got to be on their next uh, teaser uh, for the for the new season. It's just... Agreed, it needs to be on the teaser. But this is the point we're at with all conversation, William. Where, where people will just say things that are patently, they know are patently false, or they're so unaware of how false the things they're saying are. Like, if something's forgettable, you don't have the need to talk about it. You don't write a whole article about it. You don't tweet about it. It's, it's just, people are crazy. All right, the next thing that sort of stuck out to me this week is, um, I forget where I heard it. I think it was on the radio. So I think we were driving. Christine was driving us somewhere. And she likes to listen to the radio. I don't, I can't explain it, okay? I only listen to Spotify, but, and I pay for Spotify, so I don't, I don't hear ads, and I don't hear, you know, DJs talking, but the DJ was talking about how Rihanna was the world's newest billionaire. I don't know if, I don't know how you track that. I don't know if there's a tracker of, like, everyone's wealth, but apparently it just came out that she's a billionaire now, right? Probably a PR thing or something, um... And William, I don't know if you heard about it this week, but for me, my literal immediate reaction 
to hearing Rihanna was a billionaire was just eh, good for her. Like, I literally, I don't have a negative thing to say about Rihanna. I don't. I can't, I can't think of one thing. Like, I'm not a huge Rihanna fan, but, like, I've never been bored or disgusted by anything she made. So, like, I just, I, I had that sort of reaction to her. It was just like, eh, good for her. Did you hear about her being a, a billionaire, becoming a billionaire this week? I didn't hear about it, but I, uh, my reaction is basically the same. It's like, oh, good for her. I mean, she's been a hard worker, working with tons of different artists over the years, and uh, uh, you know, generational talent for sure. Um, not exactly my favorite genre of music, but I can appreciate uh, some of her videos uh, and some of her music. I liked her, her collab with Eminem. Liked her collabs with uh, um, Drake. Um, yeah. Yeah, and she was uh, one of the the bright spots of the all female Ocean's Eleven sequel. Yeah, yeah. I think Ocean's Eight, I believe it was called. So yeah, so I, I think she's deserving, right? And obviously, she's gone beyond entertainment, right? She has also she has like a clothing line and things uh, yeah, like makeup. That. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. She's very smart uh, businesswoman, diversifying. Uh, you know, using her leveraging her fame to uh, diversify into other products. Yeah. But then here's where the farce comes in. Are you ready for this? So I was like, I heard that and I had that thought. And then I was like, I want to know more. So I Googled it. And literally the first headline I saw was, William, good for Rihanna, but billionaires as we know them aren't something to celebrate. So these, the sub headline here is the notion of a black billionaire is often presented as some sort of communal victory. But exactly how did their economic achievements or sorry, but exactly how do their economic achievements help the rest of us? And then here's the first paragraph. Are people seriously celebrating Rihanna becoming a billionaire? Have we gone mad? Don't get me wrong. Rihanna is a lovely person, and a great recording artist. I've loved her since Pond to Replay. I'm a fan and I salute her business success as it's not based on white privilege or having a rich family. Elements that are essential to the story of most billionaires. And then it goes on to say about, you know, all the things she did, blah, blah, blah. And the basic point is, uh, here we go. My critique is of people celebrating her ascension as if it's a victory for anyone but Rihanna. My critique is also of capitalism because every billionaire represents a failure of capitalism. For a person to acquire that much wealth means that many, me, means that many other people must be poor. William. Ah, the zero-sum game fallacy. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say to you. How wrong is this paragraph? Because here's the thing. To me, it's even more um, more immediate than the zero-sum game fallacy. They're looking at things based purely on numbers and money. The yeah. amount of pleasure Rihanna has brought to people's lives. And as we said, us personally, right? Yeah. You know, we're not like up high on the list of people Rihanna has bought brought pleasure brought pleasure to there are other people she's brought an immense amount of pleasure to so why are we only measuring poorness or poverty in the sense of money the amount of money you have why are we not looking at look at the enjoyment people get from her music from her movies from her i believe she has perfume from clothing all of these things she does She's being rewarded for that. To me, I see Rihanna becoming a billionaire, and the reason I celebrate it is it's a victory for capitalism because it's a victory for everyone. She would only be able to achieve that level of monetary success 
And I want to be clear, I do not believe she's doing it in any crony capitalistic way. Right. I don't know about, yeah. you know, uh, if Rihanna has any um, crap, I forgot the word. People who go and special interest groups who go out into uh, the government. Yeah, lobbyists, and, lobbyists. Lobbyists, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Thank you. I, I kept saying leveragists, and I was like, that's not the leveragists? Right word. That's Lobby- the wrong word. Leveragists. That's the wrong word. It's similar, though. That was what my brain was giving me. But I don't believe there are any Rihanna lobbyists out in government getting her more money, right? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. someone who did this independent of the system, right? So to what? me, I see this as a victory for that reason. Yeah, it seems so weird to call billionaires a failure of capitalism. And that's something we've seen a lot. Like Bernie Sanders has been saying it. Other people have been saying it. Like, I, I think the main thing there is the whole concept of earning. Like the, in, the, in, in the article, it says, in America, the richest 1% own more wealth than the bottom 90%. Let's change that. In America, the richest 1% earn more wealth than the bottom 90%. Right? You, you see how that changes it, right? We've we, Like, we've... When when you see wealth as an act of creation, it should be celebrated. Now, of course, we've talked about you know crony capitalism and things like that. That that stuff does exist. The the sort of mixed economy that we live in certainly there's uh, some people who live off of that. But when you when when wealth has to be created and you have people who can just create so much of it, what <clears throat> how is them creating so much of it? A failure. Think of all the jobs that are created by this billionaire's uh, uh, different ventures, and those that, that those ninety percent or ninety nine percent or whatever um, of people that could not do what Rihanna could do, uh, they're way better off than if she was restricted from being able to do this. Right, and I want to take this concept of creation, and I want to make it a little bit more abstract and a little bit more concrete at the same time. So you're talking about creating wealth, right, William? But I think it's even more fundamental than that. She is creating things which then in, ten, then in turn create a higher quality of life for other people, and that is the way her wealth is created. So immediately she's created things for other people, which then gives her the long-term benefit of wealth. So she is creating music concretely, which then creates an abstract increase in quality of life for other people, which then creates her wealth. So fundamentally to create wealth, you must create something in reality. You must create it. And that's the difference between focusing on that's the difference between capitalism and other systems where capitalism focuses on what are you doing to create in reality whereas other systems want the result of the creation without the creation mm-hmm. right we're worried about the yeah. when we're worried about the money and who has more of it we're worried about the result of it look i don't look i'm in the bottom 90 percent, right i'm not in the the, the you're 1%. on the top one percent i'm not in the top one percent news flash to everyone patreon this supporters show, local supporters get on that Get us in the top one percent. Well, but I, even that, I'm still creating, right? We're still creating right now, right, William? Yeah. I wasn't even going to say that, but we are. But here's the more fundamental thing. Even though I'm in the the, the bottom ninety percent, I've got a pretty good life because what I'm doing is I'm not focused on wealth creation for myself. I'm focused on creating a quality life for myself, achieving my values, and that's what matters to me more. So that's why when Rihanna 
becomes a billionaire, I don't get jealous or get upset. I just go good for her because, yeah, if I had more money, you know, I'd have a house now and I'd get a nicer house when I get one. You know, maybe I drive a little bit of a better car, but there wouldn't be a fundamental change in my lifestyle. And I think that's I think that's the more fundamental difference is people say see wealth as the means of achieving the lifestyle they want when it's really making daily incremental change to create what you want to see your values actualized. And then that will lead to the wealth you need in order to continue to do that. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So there's one other economic fallacy. um, Well, I would call it more of a false dichotomy, bro. In the article, they talk about how if you have money, then your money makes you more money somehow by magic though. Um, but, but you know, that mo- most normal humans, they have to trade their time for money. Let's think about that for a second. Like that, that for me, that rubs me the wrong way a bit because it, it it's like, uh, I, I see this a lot, you know, when, I, you know, owning, owning the restaurant, people think, Oh, is that just a passive investment? A passive investment, Justin, how much time do I spend worrying about, the store, uh, mentoring the management, uh, doing the books, worrying about the taxes. Uh, I have to calculate the uh, un uh, what is it called unsecured property tax this week. Uh, it, all the things that I have to do to keep that store running that no one else in the store can do. Right? No. Yeah. No. None of them can do. Not 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 because they're not smart enough or anything like that. It's just like they have other things to do, and then it's just got to be me. It's got to be me uh, that does those things. All those things, and yet people think, oh, well, your money just makes you more money. That's not the way that works, right? I mean, sure, you could, I guess if you had like $5 million and just put it in the bank and you get interest, okay, but even that requires some sort of intellectual work, um, figuring out which banks put it in, which ones are safe, how to like, you know, make sure you're, you're not just losing it all the taxes and fees and Right, because even at that point, even if your money is making you more money, quote unquote, it's because you're offloading, offloading some of that work to somebody else who yeah. handles it. And then they're the one creating wealth with it, right? Right. And But what you are doing is you have made enough money that you can do that. And that's what I'm talking about is the small incremental changes. I mean, let's, let's, let's just look at a health issue, right? If you are at the point where you have to spend money every day on painkillers, Because let's say you're so overweight that your joints hurt every day. So you're taking Tylenol every day. Well, then, if you do a little bit, you know, you eat a little bit better each day. You go to the gym each day. I don't even care if you just walk on the treadmill every day, right? That's how you start. Eventually, you will not have to take those painkillers every day. And then eventually, you'll have to spend less time at the gym. Right. You can streamline your workouts and then you can use that money and that time to do other things. You have to put yourself in the position to actualize your values, but you need a baseline. And I think that's something that over the last year we maybe should have learned a little bit more is not everyone's at the same baseline. And we've tried to overcorrect as a society or course correct as a society when people are being punished for not being at that baseline. Well, and let's take it a step further, Justin. I mean, I hate to point this out to the uh, author of this article, but they are in the top 1% because they're in the United States. And the amount of wealth that you have as the poorest person in the United States outstrips everyone in Africa and South Africa. 
uh, uh, South well, America, the history of the world. most of Asia. Yeah, the history of the world. So you're already in that 1%. And the fact that you, like, <clears throat> you have to take responsibility that you have made the choice to live the lifestyle that you're living. Like, I, and I'm not saying to do this. And this can sound really insensitive. But I mean this it, uh, truly. You could live like a dirt a uh, poor person in Africa or South uh, South America, right? And then save all your money up, right? You could live yeah. like that. I, I'm not saying you should, right? I think people are making the right choice. They're trading their time for money, right? Because they right. get to live in a, a, a better society overall. They get a better quality of life here. But you could right. you could choose to live like a homeless person in the United States or like a like a you know a sub-Saharan African. Um, uh, farmer right you could choose to live that way on pennies a day and then yeah. save the rest of your money humans can live that way we see it in reality right now yeah well and that's something else people aren't willing to do either is uh take less in the short term because it'll benefit in the long term but that's what i was talking about with the gym example uh but here's a couple things based upon what you said in the article the author does say in america so the author is contextually talking about america but but Rihanna's an international star, so uh, good luck yeah. making that argument. Right. <laughs> That's something uh, the author seems to have forgot, right? She, she, Rihanna is not from uh, America. Rihanna is not from America. But, um, well, I'm just checking something. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to follow up on with what you were talking about, William, was the idea of people making active choice. I think part of the problem is, and part of why we see such angst like in this article, is that... People's choice has been taken away without them realizing it. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they've been convinced they don't have a choice. Uh, specifically, what I would refer to is when you're growing up, the lifestyle your parents and your local community has and how those two interact, that is normal to you. That's what you think life is. You have to make the active decision to look beyond that and make the change and decide if you want to stay in that lifestyle or not. But a lot of people just exist in inertia where they continue that lifestyle and they think that's all life is either because uh, that's what their family tells them. There's certainly the messaging of this article or the, the media in general in America, or you could argue the government in general for a variety of reasons. But I don't think enough people realize part of what makes America so great is still you have the opportunity to live the lifestyle you want and you don't have to keep living the same lifestyle you're in even as an adult, right? If you become an adult and then five years later you want to change, you can do that. And I don't think enough people take advantage of that where they say, oh, I mean, again, to use the gym example, I want to go to the gym seven days a week or I don't want to go to the gym anymore. You have that opportunity. But a lot of people will dress the same way their parents dress or dress the way their parents dress them or eat the way their parents eat or have the same habits about punctuality their parents have, or have the same grooming habits their parents have, they or their community has. They don't know they can go beyond that. And I think that's why a lot of this envy happens, because this is somebody, yeah. Rihanna, who had to make changes. If Rihanna just stayed the way she was, 100% anyone who reaches this level of success has to make changes fundamentally to do things differently than everybody else, because everybody else isn't billionaires. So she had to actively choose to make those changes, and people don't understand that because they don't live that. The daily li lived lives of most people is to not question the way things are and just think that's the way it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, take responsibility for the things that you can control and make those conscious choices. That's really what it comes down to. And it's not easy, and it's not any guarantee that you're going to become a billionaire, for for God's sake. Right. But it, it at least it makes it, like you were saying, it makes it so that you are living your best life, and you're choosing, you're making those choices consciously so that you can feel content with them, right? right. I mean, I... I you know, uh, just to make it personal to me, you know, I, I when I lived in Baltimore, I owned a house and it was I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I, I liked where I lived in Baltimore. The Baltimore is a shithole, uh, as anyone who's lived there will tell you. Um, but when I moved to California, I basically said, I'm not going to own a house in California. And there, there's a, a lot of reasons for that. It was even before I bought the restaurant. But uh, it's, you know, that's that's a conscious choice I've made. Right. It changes my uh, uh, lifestyle and how I allocate, you know, money to things. But like, there's no reason for me to, uh, I've made that value choice about my own finances and it's because it's a conscious choice. I don't stress out about it. Right. Like houses are way too expensive here and I don't worry about, Oh, well, you know, if I, if I owned a house, I would have this huge mortgage payment and be so tied to my job and everything else like that. That stuff. I, I I'm just not, willing to do in california makes sense completely makes sense and then the last thing the last couple things i wanted to talk about are are things that i think contribute to people feeling like that they don't have these choices to change that they don't make these these differences because i think you know with the first story that people are given things to satiate them or to distract them and it's just I saw this and it was just like, what have we come to? So, so the headline I saw is Pepsi and Boston beer to create alcoholic mountain dew drink. It's now, Sam Adams. Been, Sam Adams. Is it Sam Adams? I believe it is. Oh, for the fuck. I honestly didn't even read the fucking article. Cause you don't, this is one of those where you don't need to read the article. No, no. You just me, look at the headline and see the picture and you're like, Oh God. Oh yeah. It's just like fucking, yeah, and Sam Adams, yeah. So that's even fucking worse. Pepsi and Sam Adams, right? And you know, you know me being from Massachusetts, Sam Adams, Boston Lager, right? Like, and have you ever seen the uh, the Bill Burr bits on um, Bill Burr did some funny stuff on SNL with that with the Boston beer <laughs> yeah, commercials? Yeah, yeah. And then does it is it Sam Adams who has the, the your cousin from Boston ads? Yes, I think it's I think yeah. it's Sam Adams. Yeah, those are pretty funny, right? So this makes me even more annoyed. And this, I mean, maybe this gives everyone who listens to the show more of a perspective, right? And it actually, it speaks to exactly what I was just talking about. And what I mean by that is you can raise beyond what you've, where you come from. You can be different from where you come from, right? There's a lot of drinking where I come from, right? Boston is known for drinking, right? Partially that's because it's winter. Beantown drinking. Right. And, you know, it's known Sam Adams. And then... It's the same thing with uh, with soda and everything. Look, Mountain Dew's fine. Like every first of all, it's pop cool and not soda. All right, fuck off in the Midwest, okay? <laughs> um, but here's the thing: I'm straight edge, right? Anyone who's listened to the show for a while knows I'm straight edge. So when I look at this, if you cross beer or cross alcohol with Mountain Dew, I can't think of anything that I don't want to say anything, but. I can't think of a lot of things that would be harmful to consume on a routine basis that alcoholic 
<laughs> I really cannot think of anything. And the fact that they think there's a market for this. It's got zero sugar, though. <laughs> really? What's the I alcoholic just, content? I don't know. I didn't see. I'm just looking at that. I told you. I looked at the picture and I looked at the... Okay, here. I clicked on the article. 5% alcohol by volume. So it's a beer. And zero sugar. And zero sugar, baby. I don't know. Would you want Mountain Dew without sugar? I feel like if you drink Mountain Dew, it's because you want sugar. <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you I'm gonna I'm gonna make you disgusted for a second, but the uh, listeners will enjoy this. So uh, there's this uh, uh, pool hall, uh, local pool hall here in uh, Hermosa Beach. Um, last couple of weeks, I've uh, been going with a couple friends that have been in town visiting, playing pool. Well, we went and they have you know they have like ten beers on tap usually, and then you know. You just, you know, you grab a pitcher of beer and you play pool for a couple of hours. You kind of rent the tables. There's probably 20 tables, right? 20 pool tables. Well, we go last. Uh, I don't drink beer, um, but uh, so I usually get like a cider or like, uh, you know, some something uh, like a seltzer or something. Um, so when we showed up, they had I was going to order a can of Truly, which I don't really like. But, you know, I just want to be social. Uh, but they had Truly on tap. So we totally got a pitcher of Truly, which is the uh, hard seltzer, Justin. So they have pitchers of of hard seltzer now uh, on tap. Uh, so I think that I think this is a trend, man. Uh, I, I'm sure that we'll, uh, some somewhere we'll have this Mountain Dew hard uh, hard seltzer on on tap, and it's going to be absolutely hilarious. And uh, if I do find it, I will get a picture of it just for the meme and post it into the Midside Discord. Is this like the the Marvel version of an IPA, an alcoholic Mountain Dew? <laughs> it must be. It must be, man. It's like the like all this is like uh, every every damn alcohol manufacturer has a seltzer now, which is it, I find hilarious because you can just make a vodka soda like like it's the same as a vodka soda, right? That's that's all it is, with some extra well, like fruit flavoring, right? Yeah, and on one hand, I don't, I don't blame them. Like, what they're really selling is ease. I mean, that's what people don't don't realize a lot with a lot of these products nowadays. A lot of these consumable products, when I mean like food, is they're selling ease because it's not hard to make these things, right? If you go into a diner and they make you a grilled cheese sandwich, is that hard to make on your own, William? No, no, no. But at all. what yeah. you're paying for is them making it so you don't have to make it because you don't want to deal with the stress of making it. So it's like, I'm just going to pay for you to make it and bring it to me so I don't have to deal with this stress. It makes my life easier. And that's what you're getting for a lot of this because you're exactly right. Is it that hard to make an alcoholic Mountain Dew? Like, I'm sure somebody's used Mountain Dew as a chaser before and mixed (laughs) some hard liquor with it. That's not that hard. (laughs) Probably. Right, but this is is, it's convenience. It's using... The, the logistical systems that exist to put it in a 7-Eleven, to put it in a truck stop, to, to easily buy it at a restaurant. This is the power of logistics. This is, again, the power of capitalism, right? That we create a system that, you know, the, a billionaire can do this. So I get why the companies are doing this. I get it. The broader question is, the bigger question to me is, do you really want to live in a society where people think there's a market for this, who are the people buying this and why would you buy this? And that's really the question, right? I mean, there is the sort of the question of anytime anyone sells something, um, 
you know, it, what's the morality of selling it? I don't think it's necessarily immoral to sell something like this because it can be that this is something you can enjoy. Oh, dude, right? yeah. I mean, someone, someone loves Mountain Dew, and this is going to be like right up their alley, right? Right. But I think things are overdone when it gets to this point. Do you get what I'm saying? That people yeah, drink these I, things too I, I understand much. what you're saying, but uh, on uh, just like in the Rihanna article, I'm going to turn this on its head and say this is capitalism in action, right? Oh, 100%. Like, like, like tons of like products that I would consider completely arbitrary and useless, but there is a market for it. And finding the people that will enjoy this uh, is, is, the, is the spirit of capitalism. It is. It, it very much is. I just... When I see alcohol like this, it just <laughs> it, it breaks my heart. It breaks oh, my heart. Oh no! And that's Speaking that's that's part of what I'm saying. Where they don't want you to move beyond your lifestyle, right? Okay, drink this. Fine. How often are you going to drink it? That's what you really need to think about. What place does this have in your life? And that's really, I think, the key question here, William. Is yeah. hey, good for them. They found a way to to make this and make it marketable, and they're going to make money off of it. What role is it going to have in your life? And that's what you should think of with every product. And then, and then the final thing that sort of jumped out to me that's re- that's related here is this control of the language. I, I saw this, and it's just oh, this the Academy great. of Breastfeeding Medicine urges use of chest feeding and parents' milk in new guidance. So, are they changing and, the name of their academy? Well, that's the first thing, right? It's in your fucking name, which I would assume they would do. Yeah. But more fundamentally than that, right, the argument is, of course, you know, it's for, for gender inclusion and things like that. And Well, uh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Only breasts can produce milk. Okay, that was my whole thing about this, right? So it says, what does it say? ABM recognizes that not all people who give birth and lactate identify as female and that some of these individuals identify as neither female nor male. Why, okay. William, is the term... This is this is something I don't understand about all of this, right? Remember how I always say on this show that I don't understand the conceptual beginnings of the whole being transsexual, uh, transgender, or even transsexual, whatever the fuck you want to say. I don't even know what the word is anymore. That I don't understand it because I don't understand why s- people who are saying gender is a construct or sex, or however you want to say it, is a construct, are then turning around and saying they identify as things? It's the same thing here. Why is the term breast gendered then? Ladies and gentlemen, I am not a genius. <laughs> are, are you calling me dumb with that drop? I'm uh, just saying. You're, you're agreeing with yourself. Um, I, this is the thing. Like, I know this is... Uh, is uh cancelable cancelable uh offense and thank god we disavow everything on this show but you know there's a difference between sex and gender and we can have all the arguments about gender and the 47 uh, categories that people are making up but sex is an actual biological thing connected to reality and i have no problems with with saying oh this person identifies as a man i I would maybe uh, maybe prickle a bit if they said as a male, because that that leans more towards sex than gender. But to say like, oh, they're chest feeding, I'm like, oh, well, that's like a miracle of biology, right? Like, uh, I mean, there are some there are some men that uh, you know take too much testosterone and then end up lactating, right? Like that that I guess that is a thing. But like, but the whole thing is it it that's a 
for the most part, right? That that's a a, a sex based characteristic, not a gender based characteristic. Right. So I have to ask you, William, is this then intended to make the people who transition from a woman to a man feel more included and heard because you're not saying they're breastfeeding because they identify as a man? Because as a a man, you wouldn't want to say you have breasts. Is that what this is about? Maybe. I don't know. I, because here's the thing, I, I I think you would say if 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 you ran across someone who like did too much steroids or whatever and testosterone and they actually started lactating, you would call them breasts, right? Like it, it wouldn't be scientifically inaccurate, would it? Well, right, and that's that's again that's where I get confused with this whole thing. The word breast represents a concept in reality that has certain concretes. Yeah. Now it tends to be that that word breast that concept is associated with women or being female but it doesn't necessarily have to be especially if you are beginning from the position of that gender is a construct or that gender can transition or that sex can transition if you're starting from that concept you should be comfortable saying well then either a man or a woman can have breasts and that biologically Breastfeeding can only happen from a breast. Yeah, I mean, these are the same people that talk about the female penis, right? So, like, can we not? Is it not supposed to be called penis? Like, yeah, it. Right. This is just you know, Adam (laughs) Carolla talks about it all the time. Like, this is just the policing of language, right? This will this will change next month. I'm just trying to think of like an equivalent here, right? Breastfeeding, you have to say chest feeding. Like, it's not a penis, it's a crotch? Like, what would you even say? Like, junk? Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know, yeah. Because you why, you can have a female penis, so why can't you have a male breast, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, and don't you We're trying to apply... Don't... This is a pure contradiction. Like you said before, uh, even, even uh, just a few minutes ago. They're trying to hold two things in their in uh, two uh, uh, contradicting things. One that gender is a construct, but then like requiring all this like gender uh, genderification of things, right? Like saying that there are that that there are no defined genders, but then you must respect that I've defined gender this way, and and this is the way it has to be, and you have to recognize all these things and change all your words. If gender is just a construct, then like what does it matter to you? What things i say about you right or what things i say about me well that's well, that matters because of the second handedness of it is you need your identity to be reinforced or accepted externally in order for it to be valid that's that's yeah. the deep yeah uh, gender is a social construct thing. therefore i must construct society around me to support right yeah right and it, it requires other people to to validate me uh the greater issue in what you said is that there's a move right now to redefine everything. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about going on Twitter. And it's actually why I go on it less now is because the number of people who are just trying to like rebuild their understanding of the world or rebuild humanity's understanding of the world by reconstructing concepts is insane. It it goes back to the Rihanna article where, you know, they're talking about capitalism and communism and they're talking about, wealth and success and all of these things 
where economics has already been defined. It already means certain things. And in the in the case of, you know, gender and sex, biology has already been defined. And the issue with a lot of this is rather than starting from their fundamental premises and say, how does this work with the concepts and language we already have? They want to break everything down and redefine all the concepts. And what happens is then you're having conversations with people who accept the concepts that already exist and it all becomes confused. That's what you were just referring to when Adam Crow talks about controlling the language. They're controlling the language because they want to create new concepts to change how we address reality. But we've already developed an understanding of reality. And because of that, the two sides are, are mixing and you create something like this where you create chest feeding, which makes no sense. Because what are you going to do? Change what it means to be able to breastfeed or not? You can't. There's only one way to breastfeed. We already have a term for that. And chest feeding doesn't make sense as an alternative term. Yeah, barring some serious technological advances. Right. Well, in that case, that's a whole different discussion. But then that's the point. When we get to that point where that technology develops, because it will, it's inevitable that that technology will be able to be invented. What do we call it then? All right, I think that's a good place to end the Life on the Midside segment. Let's move forward into talking about some art in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so in our Discord channel. We had a lot of good conversation this week in our Discord, some about COVID, some not about COVID. So go ahead and join us. You can do so that by going to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link. And within there, you'll see a join our Discord link. All right, before I get into my review this week, there's a couple things I want to touch on really quickly. One of those was dropped in the Discord. So there was an article that came out this week on Why the Last Man. Uh, You should go. You should read the full article. I'm not going to talk about all of it now. But there is a quote in there that sort of shows that uh, uh, why I am revoking William. my I think I gave it a tentative hug. Why I'm revoking that, and this has become a tackle for me. Uh, So one of the showrunners, the show creators, the producers said that despite its name, Why the Last Man puts a significant amount of time unpacking how women can replicate and perpetuate systems of oppression like sexism, racism, and capitalism that were once dominated by men. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So So, so women women can be evil? I I mean, this is controversial amongst amongst radical feminists. So uh, I I guess this is... This is this is them saying that uh, this is, I guess, a, a letter for how women can still be evil if you're not part of the uh, part of the feminist uh, feminarchy. Right. Right. And I mean, look, 
uh, first of all, Midsider Kevin said that in the in the Discord. He said, "Does that mean we have achieved gender equality?" Uh, to a certain extent, it seems that way. And the original book does explore that, right? It does talk about the way evil still exists and all these problems still exist, and the way they specifically exist in a in a world that's mainly women. Uh, so there is elements of that in the original graphic novel. But the original graphic novel is not focusing on the perpetuation of systems of oppression like capitalism. Like the idea that capitalism is seen as a system of oppression by a large enough percentage of our population, even if it's just 10 percent, is still scary to me that this would be on, you know, mainstream television. This would be on a major. Yeah, television leave me alone concert. and protect my rights. Sounds very oppressive to me. Yeah, it's just uh, so not watching that show ever. That's disappointing because I've been waiting for it for a long time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Tom McDonald released a new song. Tom McDonald is a independent rapper who has a high level of popularity because a lot of his songs are very politically charged. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest rapper in the world. I don't always enjoy his more politically charged songs because sometimes he seems to try to be provocative on purpose, although I don't think that is his intent most of the time. But his new song, Brainwashed, had a particular, what is it, about 30 seconds, William? Yeah. The drop? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. A 30 to 45 seconds. 30 seconds. Yeah, he has about 30 seconds, which I think uh, explain exactly what is going on with the pandemic. So I just wanted to play these 30 seconds really quickly. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situation design i mean i i don't even know really what to say about that besides i think that's spot on what about you william yeah yeah i mean what better way to describe the last uh what six years uh at least of uh yeah. of culture yeah and it hits every part of it and that's the thing that's amazing to me because it even hits you know the apps and the the art and the music and that kids yeah. are in that all the time. And that's something I talked about, William, during the pandemic. The idea that not only did they lock us home, but they locked us home and they gave us a steady stream of information that we had to consume. And we didn't really have anyone else to talk to about it. Right. It wasn't like you could go out, you know, back in the day where you watch TV and then you would talk about it the next day at work. It was just sitting at home and there's no human interaction anymore. It's just a steady stream of of information. So. You know, Tom McDonald, not the greatest artist, but uh, he has some really good stuff sometimes. And I think that part of that part of his song Brainwash might be the best thing he has ever done. So, William, just one more time. One more time. Hit it again. Step one, 
train the people only to consume step two infiltrate adults with the news step three indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use step four separate the right from the left step five separate the white from the black step six separate the rich from the poor use religion and equality to separate them more step seven fabricate a problem made a lie step eight put it on the news every night step nine when people start to fight and divide take control this is called situational design and i think the scary thing is we're at step nine right now from my perspective and there are people there are people actively advocating for government to take control so just something to think about and that actually leads into to the movie review for this week so i saw a movie i've been waiting to see for a very very long time this week i saw free guy so Free Guy, one of the things I've been very concerned about with this movie is I thought the trailers spoiled everything because we've talked about on the show before and everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's very popular in, the, in our culture right now to talk about how trailers seem to spoil the entire story, but it doesn't. It doesn't spoil the entire story. In fact, I am not going to spoil a lot in this review because I want you to see this movie. If you're listening to the midside, if you are a big midsider then you definitely need to see this movie. If you're giving this show a chance for one of the first times ever, you need to see this movie just to see what we're all about and, and, to, and to see what kind of movies I give good reviews to. So this movie stars Ryan Reynolds as an NPC in a Grand Theft Auto-style game called Free City, except he begins to make choices. And he's not a player character because obviously there's no player controlling him. But he begins to exert free will. Now, his exerting free will has consequences in the world of the game and in the external world. What ends up happening is there are two plots. There's the story. Well, there's one plot, but there's two stories. There's the story within the game and there's the story external to the game. And as I was watching this movie, I was enjoying it tremendously because there's a lot of great stuff about this. But then there were, you know, some things that made me hesitant. The story outside is about an independent game creator versus a giant corporate game creator. Typically, William, when we see those storylines, how are those storylines portrayed in our in our modern entertainment? When you see indie developer versus giant corporation, how is that usually portrayed? Yeah, uh, a big giant corporation, evil. Right, and why are they evil? Um, because they're greedy and profit-driven, and uh, they just want to step all over independent creators. Right, and, and the word I would use is exploitative, right? And it's never gone yeah. into why they're exploitative or why they're why they're that way. What are the the root fundamental problems? with their philosophy or psychology. It's none of that's ever gone into. It's just that this is the way human beings are. And this is why capitalism is evil. And it usually becomes an anti-capitalist screed. So I was worried about that, especially because the movie was set in Seattle in the external world, right? So the two settings are the free city in Seattle. So I was like, Oh man, indie game developers and in Seattle, I was like, this is, this is a problem, Right. Then there were a couple other references. There was a white privilege joke, and then there was a joke about the patriarchy and someone writing a book about the patriarchy. And I was like, oh, God. 
But this is what I will say about this movie. This movie absolutely 100% sticks the landing. There is not one false beat, one misstep, one wrong-footed decision in the way the climax and resolution play out in this movie. Could this turn into a franchise? Yes. Do I think it should based upon the way the movie ended and the thematic content of the movie? No, I am completely satisfied having this be a one off movie. And if this were not a year where Zack Snyder's justice league came out, I would say this is the front runner for the romantic manifestation award at the end of the year. But it's unfortunate that this came out the same year as Zack Snyder's Justice League for this movie, right? It's not unfortunate for us. We got two amazing movies in one year. Look, yeah, spectacle-wise. Go ahead, William. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say that the thing that attracted me to this movie, other than Ryan Reynolds, of course, is uh, is the fact that it's not a franchise. It's an actual original story, original idea in theaters, right? Right, and that plays that that plays into it. That's part of the the resolution. Mm-hmm. That's part of the resolution. And I don't want to spoil things because I don't want to spoil the surprises of how it goes because I don't want to ruin that catharsis for everyone. Cuz there is a huge amount of catharsis in this movie seeing how this resolves. I mean, okay. there is a reason the NPC thing is there. They mention NPC. Like if you're aware of what the NPC meme is, this plays right into that and it does it perfectly. It, it, it's really well done. So I was going to do spectacle first, but there's the catharsis for you. Like, this is the point of making a movie. When you talk about a movie being fuel for the soul, this movie does that. I am not exaggerating when I say that I was in tears in this movie. Like, I wasn't, like, weeping, but, like, okay, Kevin it moved Smith. me. Did you take a picture of it and post it on Twitter? <laughs> no, I would never do that. Um, and then the second thing is spectacle-wise... Yeah, having the two stories and having them interact and and a lot of the the things they do with Ryan Reynolds. First of all, if you're a Ryan Reynolds fan, it has that element of spectacle. I mean, Christine said that after the movie. She's like, I'd like to see Ryan Reynolds play a different character. Ryan Reynolds is never going to play a different character. Okay? It's Ryan Reynolds. You know what you're getting in a Ryan Reynolds movie, and it's that kind of comedy. And it also... It's interesting with Ryan Reynolds. Because when he came out and he was like, oh, you know, uh, what was that six movie underground, six underground on Netflix? He was like, six underground is the Snyder cut. And he made all those Snyder cut references like and you look at what his movies are about. I've always wondered what he believes and what he thinks and what his principles are, because the things he says publicly sometimes seem to contradict those. But he doesn't ever seem to do a lot. He seems to do a lot just to appease people. And this movie makes me think that, again, when you look at the content of this movie. So the final thing I'll say is part of this movie taking so long to come out is the pandemic. But part of it is also Disney bought Fox and this movie was owned by Fox. And there is some stuff that's added that's very, very well done that only could have been added if Disney owned the movie. So it actually ended up being a good thing that Disney released this movie. 
because it adds to the thematic depth and it adds to this the spectacle so it adds to both the spectacle and the catharsis that disney released this movie and added the things they added so this is officially a so romantic movie it's not the best movie i've ever seen right we're not talking a scott pilgrim a shawshank here it's this isn't a diehard but this is up there this is the, the second best movie of the year in my opinion so far and it, you need to see this you need to see this All right, we've talked about a movie that is out. Let's talk about some movies that are coming out. Every week, I put the trailers that we're going to talk about on the show in the Discord. That is so you can watch them whenever you'd like. You can watch them before the episode, after the episode, or during the episode. You know, you can watch a trailer, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Saving Paradise is about a pencil factory somewhere in America that's having a hard time survive. They lose their business loan. A bunch of bad stuff happens. There's a conflict between the business owners and the factory workers, and they're all trying to figure out how to keep this company afloat. I think the content of this movie is very important, and I appreciate that someone is willing to take it on artistically. There's stuff about, you know, the workers saying this company wouldn't exist except for us. Where they go with that, I don't know. Uh, there's also stuff about people presenting different ideas to the owner of the company or the CEO, whoever's running it, about how to keep the company moving forward. I think there's a lot of important ideas in here. I don't know where this is going to go. My main issue is the execution of this. I do like that it feels very benevolent, but it almost feels overly benevolent to the point that it's a Hallmark movie. So while I appreciate what they're doing, stylistically, this just isn't up my alley, and I don't appreciate that in today's modern culture, the ideas can give the proper catharsis. So for me, this is a tackle. Tackle. A hundred percent correct, Justin. I, I, I was like, oh, this looks really interesting, but it, it, it really, the preview makes it look like a Hallmark movie and, and, and all the things that that brings with it. Um, I, I feel like there'll be swelling music and then a resolution and then the end, right? That it's not going to be deep and, and not that it needs to be super deep, but like, it's just going to be very surface level based on the preview based on the on this and I'm 100% with you. I would love to see this movie uh just not produced by Hallmark. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. A Journal for Jordan stars Michael B Jordan and is directed by Denzel Washington. In it, Michael B Jordan's character and I don't know if it's because he's in the military or not or he gets deployed, that's unclear, but he's writing a journal for his son Jordan about his romance with now my pronoun use is going to get confused here michael b jordan's writing the journal about michael b jordan's romance with his wife who is jordan's mother i said that very convolutedly because a lot of the character names are unclear and i didn't want to get my pronouns confused because here's the thing the last movie we just talked about the last trailer was very hallmark this movie is sweet in a way that you think would go towards Hallmark, a Hallmark-style movie, but it doesn't. 
look, this isn't my typical style of movie, and I'm not running out to see this movie, but this looks like it would be entertaining. This looks like it would be good, and I would not be opposed to seeing this if there was nothing else in theaters at the time or there was a time to stream it. So uh, I'll give this a hug. I'll give this a hug. This is worth seeing. This is worth seeing. And uh, my last comment on it is, is holy shit, is Michael B. Jordan jacked? Holy <laughs> fucking shit. I I'm think he's like 80% muscle. Jesus fucking Christ. Hug. Mm, hug. All right, William, that should have dropped on mine. <laughs> well, I was going to do Netflix and hug, but then you, you waxed a poetic about uh, about abs. Tell um, me, it wasn't just the abs, dude. His pecs? His pecs, they're, yeah. They're like, oh. they're like five pounds each. Uh, Jesus fucking mm. Christ. That guy's huge. Yeah. It, well, so I feel like this would be, uh, just based on the preview, it seems like it's a perfect date movie. It's been a while since we've had one of these. There's some action, yes. right? There's going to be some war stuff going on. The romance is not, it doesn't seem like it's soupy romance, right? Like, um, it seems like there's actual romance here. Uh, heaven forbid I say it, male-focused romance, in other words, right? Um, where, where the male actually has, uh, has, uh, has some uh, autonomy. Um, and then, like you said, there's some sweet elements with the with the kid involved. It looks uh, again not a movie I'd run out to uh, to see myself, but hey, you know, if I got a if I have a date night, this would be a nice one to put on and uh, Netflix and chill. I mean, hug Netflix and hug. William, before you Third hit the drop trailer, damn it, oh, man. now you're gonna hit the other one. Oh man, well, you know, it comes when it comes, and it happens when it happens. That's just how it works. Way to step on it, Justin. uh, I was waiting for you to hit it before I talked. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to say, uh, I think uh, Michael B. Jordan is an underappreciated treasure in our society. Can I say that? I mean, I appreciated him in this trailer, and I've appreciated him in a lot of his works. Uh, So, yeah, I think maybe overall he might be underappreciated. Yeah, I think he he picks very good roles. I think he picks uh, movies that are... You know, they're they're not uh, overly artistically pompous. They're not negative towards humanity. I just I think he picks really good roles. So Michael B. Jordan, he's he's rising in my eyes. He keeps getting better and better. Third trailer. The Madness Inside Me is a horror movie that I'm honestly not exactly sure what this movie is about. Um, It seemed to be like, hey, I help people who are accused of crimes because I don't know why. And then a lot of crazy shit happens. And then even the way this movie was shot was very low quality. It's just, I I don't know. I don't get this at all. This looks terrible. Tackle. Tackle. I I was getting the, a mother's nightmare vibe, right? Is this like, this might be made for, you know, the, a mother's nightmare crowd. And just to be, like scary like oh you're helping these criminals and then all of a sudden they turn on you i i don't know it was hard to even figure out what the plot was really about um other than a mother's nightmare right like do you know what i'm saying when i'm saying that it just feels like uh it feels like one of those sort of movies uh sort of a suspense but a a very like uh woman focused suspense uh thriller sort of movie uh yeah i it was very confusing is the best thing to say about the uh, about the um trailer so i am going to tackle tackle 
Final trailer. Prisoners of the Ghostland stars Nicolas Cage. His character seems to have been kidnapped or captured by someone who wants him to go into the Ghostland to retrieve a young lady. I don't know if the young lady is the the character's daughter. When I say the character's daughter, I don't mean Nicolas Cage. I mean the, the character who kidnapped Nicolas Cage. I don't know what his relationship is to the young lady. I don't know why she's so important. Uh, what I do know is sort of like the Suicide Squad. They strap bombs to Nicolas Cage and tell him if he doesn't rescue her in five days, then uh, all different parts of his body are going to be uh, exploded until he eventually dies. So then this trailer went off the rails. And what I mean by that is this has, it seems to be set in Japan, or at least it has Japanese influence. And the Ghostlands is this absolutely batshit insane area. And all of the text on it, on the, on the trailer is saying how insane all of this is. And it, look, it's backed up by the, by, by the trailer itself and by, by the visuals. It's like, no one knows what's going on in the ghost land. It's hard to get out of the ghost land. Uh, again, this is sort of like the, the Liam Neeson, John Wick approach to movies that exist a lot. It seems to be like, Hey, let's take this guy who's absolutely insane and put him in an insane situation and watch the insanity that happens. Uh, because of how ridiculous this looks like, and there's even the quote from Nicolas Cage saying it's the most insane movie he's ever made, I would take the risk to see this. I like to see people pushing things. I like to see where things like this go. So let, let's see what happens here. Hug. Hug. Yeah, much like you just said, if Nick Cage see, says this is the craziest thing he's ever done, then I'm in, man. I'm definitely in. Uh... I think there had been a lot of stuff lately that Nick Cage has done that has just been too weird, but weird in a slow sort of way for me. So it didn't really connect. But hey, if we're going back to uh, Snake Eyes style, you know, then then that's some spectacle I can enjoy. And hopefully there's a little meat on the bone, but maybe not. I mean, this it, wasn't it endorsed by Sundance. It's usually a sign that it's not good. But um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it looks fun. So let's have some fun with it. I will hug. Hug. Yeah, it started off the trailer with the um, endorsement from Sundance, which made me start with low expectations. Exactly. But as Lower I went through the, the trailer, right? No, as I went through the trailer, I appreciated it more and more. So it had the opposite effect. So maybe every trailer should just start at the beginning, endorsed by Sundance, so we have low expectations. So when we get to the end of it. Uh, we have high expectations. And is this the one that had... Uh, there was something I watched somewhere that was like... Maybe it was even Free Guy. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think Free Guy released a trailer post-release that had like AV Club speaking well of it. Oh, but no. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I was like, why would you do that? That like is not what you're going for with this movie. But the How AV Club... How did they sneak was, it past AV Club? That's what I, Well, they didn't really... Because AV Club gave it, like, the most benign possible praise ever. It was like, this is a Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, and it's a capably written movie. And it's like, that is the, the most they will ever compliment something they disagree yeah. with for yeah. being well-written. Right? Because anything they usually disagree with is terribly written, right? Like, Zack Snyder is the most evil person ever. He doesn't know how to make anything because they disagree with it and they disagree with the stylistic. 
but you know, the people who wrote free guy, you know, Zach Penn and I can't remember his co-writer, but I mean, they've been around forever in Hollywood and you know, this is written, it uses the form the way it's exactly supposed to. It's, you know, free guy isn't mind blowing in that sense. If you're looking for like, Oh, they break free of convention and it's postmodern. It's not that at all. It's only postmodern in the sense of the two different levels of reality. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, before I continue to talk about free guy for the rest of the year, uh, what did we learn this trip? Go ahead, William. I learned that I got to buy some tickets to free guy. Justin, what we what should all this? have learned. Uh, mm-hmm. I have learned that we are going to redefine all, um, all language from now on. Redefine all language. So, you know, we say chest feeding now. I think we're also just going to say crotch fucking because we can't put any anatomical names on it anymore. This concludes uh, your journey in the midside. I want to appreciate everyone for, or want to thank everyone. I want to say how much I appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, as always, if it wasn't for you guys, this would just be me talking into a microphone in my closet. So thank you for making me just a little bit less crazy, a little bit less crazy. If you want to support the show, you can do so by going to the midside.com slash store, buy any of those t-shirts, the midside.com slash the cut buy my novel. You can support us via Patreon or locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. It's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. And William, what's the best way to promote the show? Tell a friend. Tell a friend. That's the best way to get us to grow. I know that people who recommend the show to other people, they're almost always happy with it because they know the people who are recommending it. They know who they are. They know what they care about. So they know what they're getting with this show. So tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emelzneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a day. So are we supposed to consider milk from cows as also chest feeding or is that parents milk is that the proper term now uh, i don't even know can we even say udder anymore i don't know that's uh, wait very confusing. does it come from cows what if a cow identifies as a bull oh <laughs> <laughs>